If you know anything about it, you know about the infamous sewer gangbang. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not gonna take this anymore! So you lie to yourself to be happy. There's nothing wrong with that. We all do it. We all go a little mad sometimes. Come on. One of you nuts has got any guts. What's but a smile on that face? You're only as healthy as you feel. Listen to me! Listen to you by what right? Because I have a right to be and I have a voice! Ladies and gentlemen, Welcome to Pop Culture Case Study. Yeah, let's do it. I'm pumped. Let's let the healing begin. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Pop Culture Case Study, where we analyze pop culture from a psychological angle, a part of the following films network. So this week, of course, there is really only one big movie opening, and that movie is called It. Stephen King's It, which causes so much confusion when you're talking about online, because everybody's got to make the joke, what is it? What movie are you talking about? We're talking about Stephen King's It. And to do that, we have a brand new guest. Uh, We have Sandy DeVito, who I guess I would describe as uh, someone you should be following on Twitter, an excellent movie critic who works for moviejohn.com, and I guess a Stephen King fanatic. Is all that fair? Yeah, I think so. Um, I'm a big Stephen King camp fan for sure. And uh, yeah, I thank you for the comment about my reviews. That was very kind. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I do a little bit of writing and I definitely have a little bit of a Twitter presence at this point. I wouldn't call myself <laughs> anything big, but um, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I use Twitter all the time. So thank you. Oh, of course. So speaking of that, why don't you tell people how they can follow you and how they can find your reviews? So um, my Twitter is Void Ember, and I have a letterboxed as well that I consistently post reviews on. Also, Void Ember is my username on Letterboxd. Um, and then, like you said, I also write for Movie John. That's the Philadelphia John, as I live in Philly, and most of us are based in Philly. So that's a J-A-W-N. <laughs> I don't know how familiar some of your listeners would be with uh that particular philly slang but i would say not at all because i'm like (laughs) oh what now yeah because i I was like well some people might not know what that is so i just wanted to explain that real quick um that's like uh, a john is um like a thing pretty much anything if you've seen creed (laughs) um you may remember oh that's right okay yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah, she just she sort of she he's like, what is that? And she's like, it's just a thing. She's like, this is a John, that's a John, the table's a John, the ketchup's a John, and it's just I don't know something that Philly people say. Nice. And uh, so that's what um, some of the 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 original people who came up with movie John decided to name it. So it's like a movie movie stuff kind of. All right. Yeah, that makes <laughs> sense. That's good enough. So yeah. Uh, so it's moviejohn.com. M O B I E. J-A-W-N.com. Yeah, and there's a bunch of her reviews there. Also, uh, if you really like what she has to say and you want it in written form, there is a review of it uh, that she has put up there at moviejohn.com. So be sure to check that out. So um, the reason I brought you on here uh, in particular for this movie is because we actually got into a conversation on Twitter about about Stephen King. I don't know if you remember this, but you are one of the reasons I actually ended up reading it. Uh, it's because we were kind of talking about, like, I was, like, not the biggest fan of The Dark Tower, and I was feeling like, right. what am I missing out on? So <laughs> you, you and everyone else, as far as the movie goes. Oh, I so. still haven't even seen the movie. <laughs> that was even just based on the book, and we were kind of talking oh. about this. And you brought up, you know, a couple of his books, one of them being It. And I was like, all right, I'll read this 900,000-page book uh, and try and read it before before the movie comes out. And I'm so glad I did, because it's 
it's amazing. It's tremendous. It's it's yeah. one of it's quickly like it's the as I'm as I'm getting further away from reading it, like I I'm appreciating it more and more. Like there's just so much there, and that kind of led to my uh, being a little bit disappointed that this was only going to be the first half because until you came out with your early review and you're kind of talking on Twitter, I had no mm-hmm. idea, and then I was like, what part? Oh. Part two, oh, you're killing me. <laughs> because because one of my favorite parts of the book is how how well Stephen King goes back and forth between the two storylines. But I also understand that's really difficult for a movie to do well and for it not to be totally jarring. Um, yeah. But now that that's kind of out of the way, our kind of introduction into this, what, what are your first general thoughts after seeing Stephen King's It on the big screen? Well, like you, I also have read the book, and I think that that's definitely going to affect your reaction to mm. the film a little bit. Sure. Versus, you know, the people who've read the book versus the people who haven't read the book or maybe aren't as familiar with King's writing. Um, so I'm coming from the place of having read the book and, you know, having a particular idea of what I wanted certain things to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but by and large, I was so impressed and I loved it. Um there, it's not a perfect film in my mind, but it is like so close to perfect a lot of the time. <laughs> um, one of the things that I really loved was the kind of horror film that it is. Mm-hmm. That it, you know, like you you go to the movies now and you watch like The Conjuring or something, you know, that's been popular lately as far as like horror films go. And this to me, like, felt like kind of like the opposite of that, like. Mm-hmm. There's a couple jump scares. There's not very many. It's all about building a certain mood and a certain atmosphere. This like feeling of dread and like Definitely. that's a really that's a really strong thing in the books. I'm sure you would agree. Oh God, it's yes. Just this, this build up of like just really strong tension, you know, and really deep dread. And I felt like that part of the book. Am I saying Muschietti? Is that how we say his name? That's how I've been saying it. So good enough. Yeah. yeah. I feel like he really understood that about this book. Mm -hmm. And he also really understood the other thing that I thought was really important about it, which is the relationship between these kids, the really strong relationship they have with each other and the really strong voices they have individually. Because there's seven of them. That's a lot of characters, right? That's part of the the book so long because he needs to spend all this time get helping you get to know all these characters mm-hmm. and that was if anything that was what i the thing that i was really worried about i was like how are they gonna make each of these kids have a distinct voice and distinct characteristics the way that king goes on the page they don't have as much time how are they gonna do it mm-hmm. i don't know how they did it but they somehow did it yeah i think <laughs> i think like I think Muschietti has a gift in working with young actors because, you know, I just rewatched his first movie, Mama, and there's two great yeah. child performances there, too. So I think he really kind of has the touch when it comes to uh, kind of bringing these amazing, uh, like, layered performances out of these kids. And I don't know how he does it either, but he really, really does. And I think you bring up a great point that the only way a movie based on it works is if the kids are good and if you care about the kids. I just, as an adult, watched uh, the the kind of TV Tim Curry uh, version of it. And Tim Curry's great, but, like, the yeah. kids are not great and the adults yeah. are not great. And you end up, like, weirdly, like, rooting for Pennywise because uh, <laughs> you're just like, yeah. will you please end my torment? 
and you ne- and I never had that moment watching this movie. You are no. fully rooting for these kids and you are scared you really for them. Are. And a lot of that, of course, not only has to do with these kids, but the performance by Skarsgård as Pennywise. I mean, this is oh. one this is one for the ages. Like this oh, I mean, yeah. I tweeted about Absolutely this. I agree. came home Absolutely and turned on agree. all my lights. I was like, nope. I don't like I need light in my house right now like it was legitimately terrifying and also like funny like an enjoyable performance too like you could really see the glee that Pennywise takes in tormenting these kids Mm -hmm. my goodness that was something that I felt like Skarsgård brought out really clearly in the film that I maybe hadn't even really thought about when I was reading the book. Right. Like it was almost subconscious that that was part of Pennywise, that that was an important part of Pennywise, not just being scary, but having, I think in my review, I, I caught it. It was like a, a perverse charm almost, almost like he was, char- I was like, he's not charming, but he kind of is. And he's like, he's like a, he's like a predator playing with his food. Like he's yeah. just like, I, I think there's, I think something that as I was reading the book, like you do have these moments a little bit like, you know, Pennywise could just pick them off. Why doesn't he? And I think he's enjoying Mm -hmm. the hunt. And I think you really get that. And there's there's not a lot of dialogue uh, for Skarsgård here for Pennywise. So he does a lot just with facial expressions. And my God, the body movements, which are inhuman and terrifying. Mm -hmm. And I think there's probably there's some uh, kind of CGI stuff going on. There's a particular scene near the end where he kind of spins out of this opening uh, in a very kind of erected way. And it is legitimately like it just creeped me out and made my skin crawl. But there is one scene near the end where he actually speaks like he has a little monologue. And I, I wanted him to stop talking, not because it was bad, but because I was just like, I can't deal with this. Like I, you know, (laughs) he's tormenting this poor child and you do like for, you know, whatever it is, two hours and 20 minutes, like you just, I was on edge the entire time I was watching this. Oh yeah. There's this one moment in it. I think, I don't know if he's interacting with Eddie maybe, but there, it's one of the it's one of the kids, and they're really frightened, you know. And mm-hmm. he, it's there's a moment where he like pauses almost, and is like kind of making fun of them, yep. And is just sort of like waiting, you know. Like he really enjoys the fear, and like that's a, you know, that's Pennywise. Like he, it's like he feeds on it, mm-hmm. but like it, with Skarsgård, I felt like he really made that part of that character work in a way that maybe needed to be seen on screen because mm-hmm. it was a it was going to be a visual thing you know yes because it's in the books but you see it on film and you're like of course but you didn't even think about it before that so he brings out all these things about pennywise that are almost subconscious in the book and mm-hmm. brings incredible life to them i was blown away like you said a performance for the ages i don't think is too high praise Yeah, I mean, it's, and it really, like, you know it from the beginning of the film. So one of the things I was worried about walking into this is they they showed the scene, like, you know, right outside the sewer, where he's, Mm -hmm. like, drawing the kid in, and you're like, oh, is this all it's going to be with Georgie? Is it just, and and I thought, like, is all we're going to see, like, you know, the kid reaching in and then him grabbing him and that's it? But I love how they stretched that scene out and actually recreated the book scene, talking about, like, you know, don't you smell the circus down here? Like, bringing mm-hmm. him closer and closer and you you know what's going to happen i mean even if you haven't read the book you know it's going to happen yeah you know this kid yep. is done for because it's the very beginning of the movie but you still like not only do you fear for him but you understand why this kid does what he does 
You understand yeah. why he's intrigued and entranced by Pennywise. And it is, I mean, memorable is too light of a word for it. Like, I'm not sure I will ever forget this sequence, not only in the book, but now I have like an actual, like near perfect visual for that scene. Yeah. And I don't know if I'm happy yeah. or upset about that, frankly. Yeah, I mean, in the book, we are told later that they found Georgie's body with Ugh. the arm ripped off. In this, we have to experience his arm being ripped off with him, yeah. which is a whole new fresh layer of hell yes. for that. And this kid is so cute. I was just watching He's adorable. Child's Play yeah. the other day, and I was like, Alex, it's so cute. And I was like, this Georgie kid, same thing. Yep. So freaking cute. And just, you're like, ah. Yeah. <laughs> and that's another thing about this. It just, you get started on that note, and they do not give you much of a breather for the rest of the film. Yeah. It's it, like, it really makes you, film. it really makes you realize how many, how many terrible things happen to these kids because like, I think as you're reading it, like so much happens that sometimes the visuals don't stick with you as much. The visuals that you create in your head, whereas this, you are forced yeah. to see, I mean, in the, you know, it's, I guess a minor bit of a spoiler, but basically the effect that they did with Pennywise's teeth, is not something I knew was, I didn't know it was going to look like that. And I am so terrified by it and happy uh, that they did it that way. So it like stands out and it's not, you know, exactly what we've seen from earlier versions. I mean, it's genuinely horrifying. And then they bring that out in the first scene. Yeah. There was, there was something that Muschietti said where he was like, we're not doing everything from the books. We're doing some new stuff. Yeah. And I think everyone was apprehensive about that. We're like, what, like what, you know? Yeah. And and then we, then you see the film and you're like, whoa, right. Like, the people who made this film not only love the source material and love King's universe and love his, you know, the, the sort of particular style that he has of storytelling, but they also want to make it, bring something fresh to it. Right. As horror fans, as King fans, I appreciated that of this idea of wanting to do something that is a little bit new and a little bit personal to the filmmakers mm -hmm. involved in this project, but at the same time being really faithful to the spirit of what King's book is about and his work in general. Yeah, I mean, so. I think they did really have a great understanding. It's, I was actually thinking about this. It like brought me back to, and this is a strange, uh, strange comparison, but it brought me back to right before the first, uh, Lord of the Rings movie came out for Fellowship of the Ring mm -hmm. came out and I was yeah, a big yeah. geek for that shit and still am. And I was on, I was on <laughs> yeah. like message boards and shit. Like it's, it's, oh, yeah. it's embarrassing. I had, I had, I had Lord of the Rings posters in my bedroom. I right. totally get it. So someone, you know, saw an early screening of the movie and this is what they said about it. They're like, it is phenomenal. It's great. You're going to love it. But if you're one of those people, if I ask you, Hey, uh, would you be okay with Legolas's hair being blonde instead of brown? If that's a problem for you, you're not going to enjoy this. And I feel like it's kind of the same thing with this movie. Yeah. Is that yep. if you are looking for, you know, a word-for-word -word recreation, one, uh, dude, it's two and a half hours and it's a thousand pages. It's not going to happen. You need to let go of that dream. But <laughs> yeah, two, yeah, I yeah. would much rather have a story fit the spirit of it rather than something that's like, well, we got to put this in for the fans. And I think they do a really great job at balancing that. I think so, too. There's definitely moments where, you know, you're like, well, that's a little different or whatever. Right. But at the same time, there, I mean, a lot of the changes I was personally really okay with. Right. Um, I feel like the book 
like we said before, is very long. And King spends a lot of time talking about small things, just stuff about Derry, the town that they live in, other random people who live in Derry. There comes a point in the book where I feel like it does drag a little bit sometimes. Sure, sure. Just because it's, you know, he's really thorough, right? Like, and I almost loved that about the film, or at least I appreciated it a lot, that the pacing I felt was very good. Mm -hmm. They kept the most important stuff in there. They kept the emotional stuff in there, which was going to be the big thing. So the stuff they changed, I mean, uh, we can maybe talk about a little bit more of it in the spoiler Yeah, there's one thing they changed that's that's late in the movie that we will definitely talk about. Um, But so... This is a this is another kind of weird comment, but one thing I really loved about these child performances, the way they're performed and the way it's written, is how these kids curse. Um, yeah. it's, it's like, okay, yeah. you remember when you were like 11 or 12 and you just, and you figured out the word fuck and you're like, yeah. oh, I could say that. And you say it too much and you say it all the time. And that's what these, uh, some of these kids are like. And I was like, this is so perfect. They have finally discovered, you know, how florid the language is and they are just going to use it as much as they can when they're scared, when they're excited, yeah. when they're hangry, when they're happy, when they're sad. Every moment, like, I'm going to drop an F-bomb because <laughs> my parents aren't here to stop me, and I'm with my friends. Yeah. And I love that. Yep. It all felt really natural, and to me, never really felt forced. Yeah, when they were talking any, – any scene where the kids are all talking together was incredible to me because so often with films like this, the dialogue between the kids just doesn't sound like things that kids say to mm-hmm. each other right. when they're alone. It's different, you know, when kids are with adults. But when kids are together and they're talking with each other, especially around the particular age that these kids are, when this happens to them, you know, they're like, I don't know, 11 or 12. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when you're really starting to pay attention to stuff that's going around you, including the swearing thing, like you said. <laughs> and when they talk in this movie, it just sounds like kids, like, shooting the shit. Yeah, it doesn't you know? feel like, written just, at all. Like No, yeah. they're just, they're, it was like they put them, it was almost as if they put them you know, in this scene and they're like, okay, just talk to each other. Right. That was what it felt like. It was awesome. I think, I mean, I think, you know, we've kind of talked about these child actors and they're all wonderful. There's really not a weak link among these seven. Like, I think they're all terrific. I think um, one of the people I'm most impressed with um, is the kid who played Richie, uh, Finn Wolfhard, because as I'm reading the book, I'm like, oh man, this is hard to play and not hate this oh, yeah. kid. Like, cause he Richie's, really Richie talks too much. I mean, be... yeah, but he's so good and you like him and you know he goes too far and you get the beep beep Richie. Like, you totally get why people get annoyed with him, but he's yeah. enjoyable. Like, he's fun and, and you get why they're friends with him. And I was like, I yep. don't know how you did this and still tra- stay true to the character, but you somehow managed it. Yeah, Richie was always going to be the hardest one out of all of them because Richie is that like really thin line between being an asshole and being a a lovable like jokester. Right. And whoever was going to play him was going to, a kid was going to have to play him. So that's hard, right? Yes. They were going to have to ballot. They were going to have to do this tight rope walk thing of, of not being too offensive and then being like, the kind of bad, but also everybody loves them because they're pure of heart. And mm-hmm. I mean, I, a lot of us have seen this kid, Finn Wolfhard already in stranger things. Sure. Sure. Um, apparent, I read apparently that he got this role before he got the stranger things, oh, role, which is interesting. Yeah. Huh. Um, but I mean, I, I don't think we really 
saw in that series that he was capable of quite this level. No, I did not see that coming. (laughs) No, and it was a very pleasant surprise. The other kid who I thought had a difficult job was um, Jaden Lieberher. Mm -hmm. Is I don't know. Is that how you say his last? Yeah, Bill is Bill is Um, a tough role. Would be was going to be the other tough one because he needed to be vulnerable because he has this stutter. Yep. Um, and, and also have a commanding natural leadership presence. Yep. And he does which, it like he hits both of those yeah. so well. Like there's, there's a scene relatively late in the movie as they're standing in front of the house and he's kind of convincing them to come inside with him. And it is really moving. And there, one of the characters makes a comment about him not stuttering in that scene. And I honestly was like so engaged with the scene that I forgot he had a stutter. Yeah. Uh, and that's, and that's pretty impressive, but all these kids are good. I think, you know, Sophia Lillis is also really wonderful as Bev. Like, I think she really, she, she is, she is not only the heart of this group, but she is the strength of this group, especially yeah. through like the first two and a half acts. Like she really, and she really does a great job. And you know, it's all of these kids are so good. And I love that besides besides uh, Jaden Lieber, who plays Bill and Finn Wolfhard, who plays Richie, you don't mm-hmm. have a lot of known commodities here. Like these are all relatively nope. unknown kids and they all really hold their own and not in a way where they're, you know, they're trying to like own the screen and steal spotlight. Like this is like like you kind of mentioned earlier, this is how real friends would interact. And there's like yeah. just enough from everybody. Like I don't know if they had a bunch of stuff they left on the cutting room floor and they just picked like just the right amount. But it's mm-hmm. just about perfect. Like there's no weak performances and there's no moments where like, oh, we're hanging out with, with Richie a little too much or hanging out with Ben no, a little no. too much. Like it just And you, it you works. could have easily f- yeah, and they could have easily fallen into that because, for instance, you know, Finn as, as Richie is so incredibly great that you're like, the camera would naturally want to be on him right. all the time. But they don't do that to their credit. Um, the characters who are, are you know, not as uh, boisterous as Richie get plenty of time mm-hmm. and we get to know them. Wyatt Olaf, who plays Stan, I was particularly impressed with. Stan yeah. in the book, I feel, is hard... Out of all of them, Stan in particular, I feel is hard to get a real feeling for Mm because he doesn't have that sort of distinct set of characteristics. Um, He's the one who's just known for being kind of awkward and like kind of cowardly. Right. Um, And other than that, you don't get to know Stan very well sometimes, I feel, Mm -hmm. compared to the other ones. But this kid, I don't know, something about him just, I was like, this kid is just so good. And right. made me like love Stan in a whole other level that I had not necessarily really felt when I was reading the book. And so I was like, even the kids who like I never really had an opinion about, I fell in love with yep. during the course of this film. Yeah, absolutely. I think the last thing I want to talk about before we move to spoilers is so, yeah. okay, so I don't know how old you are, but I'm in my late 30s, so I grew up. I'm going to be 30 in November. Okay, so you're a little bit younger, but I grew up in the time period that this movie is set in. Like, something people may not know is they moved this from the 50s, you know, to essentially the uh, the 90s, and my right. God, they hit it so well, like the the fashion. There's, there's a lot of, like, little notes where, like, one of the kids has a calculator watch. 
Uh, and that yep. was a big deal, man. Like if you were, <laughs> if you were a geeky kid in the nineties, like that, you, that you was that. impressive. And I like, there's all these little things. And there's of course the, the running new kids on the block joke, uh, which is yeah, fucking yeah, yeah. fantastic. Uh, which because it doesn't, it. yeah, it doesn't overstay its welcome, which I like. No. There's like maybe three little moments and they're really early in the film. And, you know, there's, yep. you know, the hanging tough line, you know, the thing with the poster and it all yep, yep, really, yep. really works. And I was just so charmed by that because that's another thing that one easily could have been overdone. And the way it's, you know, working out with Ben and Bev, like that could have been unnecessarily cruel. And the way they yeah. played it with like Bev with that little glint in her eye, like, oh, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to mess with you. I think now <laughs> that stuff really, really worked. And that was just so, yeah. and it really, it really cements the connection that Ben and Bev have. And that becomes, yeah. and that's going to become very, very important, not only in this movie, but in part two. Yep. I 100% agree with that. I'm totally okay with the, them switching the setting. Yeah. From the fifties to the eighties. Um, there's a lot of stuff that's very particular to the fifties in this part of the book. Mm -hmm. Um, that I feel like maybe just wouldn't work as well these days right. for a contemporary audience. Yeah. Um, and, the, and moving it to the 80s makes it so the people who are adults now get a lot more out of sort of feeling like they understood, like you were saying, with the calculator <laughs> watch thing and just feeling like you know exactly, you know, what they're feeling at that age in that particular time. I think that was important to do. I'm not upset about them switching that. And it means that part two will be in the present day. Right. So. It, it it gets rid of a lot of complications. I think I think the only think thing so you're really missing is some of the racial aspects that go on. Uh, yeah. And it's still fine. Like, you know, you don't necessarily need that to make this story work. And I think that stuff wouldn't work as well in the 80s setting either. Yeah. So I think it was yeah. a good decision on their part. Yeah, totally agree. All right. So at this point, we're going to go to spoilers. Spoilers. What? Read ahead. Spoil all the surprises. Not peeking at the end. Isn't traveling with you one big spoiler? That's classified. It's what? It's classified. I could tell you, but then I'd have to kill you. All right. So I'm really hoping that you're on the same page with me about this because you mentioned mm -hmm. that the movie is not exactly perfect. Like it comes really close. What yep. the fuck did they do with Bev in the third act of this uh, movie? Uh, Can you see, explain I know you this to read me? My review. No, but I. I I I forgot that you hadn't read my review and in my review there's like you know the part in my review where I'm like okay so <laughs> this thing with Bev in the third act I don't understand why they decided to do this the way that they did I thought about it for a long time after that wondering if maybe I had missed something or you know there was some article where they had talked about it and explained why they made this particular decision i still haven't really been able to come up with anything as far as what i feel is a good reason right um so they in the book at this point this is when this is towards the climax of this part of the story with them as kids they all end up going down into the dairy sewers to confront pennywise and in the book they are sort of chased there by um What's the bully's name? Henry Bowers mm -hmm. yeah. and some of his toady guys uh, at, to down to the Barrens. And the Barrens isn't really featured much in the film, but it's just sort of the area where they all hang out a lot in right. the book and build a clubhouse and just stuff that they didn't really have time for in the film, which 
is okay. Um, in the film, they decide that instead of doing it that way, where they're all together and they all go down to the, the sewers together, they have Bev get kidnapped by Pennywise oh. after the confrontation with her father, um, where she knocks him out. Um, why? <laughs> yeah, I just... It it turns her into a damsel, and then there's like a it really does. There's a there's a kiss that she cannot consent to, and that's really gross. As she is comatose, and right. one cannot and, and especially to a kiss coming from Ben, like that's just wrong. That that betrays both her character and his character. Yeah, and they with that they tried to make it like she came to some kind of realization from the kiss that Ben was the one who sent her the postcard. Um, I was like, clearly there are other moments in this. Bev is extremely smart. She is a young woman and has had to navigate a society that is inherently hostile towards her in a way that the boys have not. Right. So she's has this whole other layer of understanding about life, which is one of the reasons that she is the bravest. And she is this sort of like central heart to them. Um, so there are definitely other moments in the film that I felt like were really well done and nuanced where you could see that Bev knew that Ben had feelings for her. Right. right. Um, it did not, it was like, this just didn't need to be done this way. You know, like yeah. she just, he doesn't need to kiss her to wake her up. Like them just being there could wake her up. There's a million other ways they could have done this. It's none of it's in the book. You know, right. there's other problematic stuff in the book that, you know. <laughs> you could everyone, say that. Yep. If you know anything about it, you know about the infamous sewer gangbang. <laughs> Thank God it's just not here, you know. But they, it's, right. I felt like they traded one problematic thing for another problematic thing that wasn't necessarily yeah. any better. It was just different. Yeah, I felt like they tried to pay lip service to this idea of her being the bravest at the end of the movie and talking about the reason Pennywise couldn't kill her in that moment was because she wasn't afraid. Uh, But I was like, we've, I mean, we can see that she's the bravest one. I mean, we see another great scene. We see the rock fight, which I think really works. Like, I couldn't have not have been smiling wider during that scene. Oh, the rock fight was so good. It was fantastic. I think the other complaint I guess I've heard is that Pennywise doesn't turn into, quite turn into the creature um, that he does in the Mm -hmm. book in this scene. And I'm kind of okay with that. I think... I think there's ways around it where you can include stuff in the second part of this movie where they have to face him down again. So you're not going to have the same special effects. Uh, But that final confrontation, that final fight scene, which I was like, how Mm -hmm. is this going to work with these little kids and this giant Pennywise? Like, but it really worked. It was really well choreographed. I think, you know, you were really rooting for these kids. And when it finally ends, um, I, I like the fact that you, you definitely have the idea that that Pennywise definitely is not finished by this. Like you, yeah. so so, and they don't make the kids stupid. They don't make like, well, I guess that went well. well he went down in that <laughs> other hole, so we're fine, you know. And I like, yeah. and I like that there's a little there's a little moment with Bev at the end where she has kind of seen what's going to happen, or at least a glimpse of it. Mm-hmm. I think that's a nice little touch too that they included, and they gave little odes to kind of more of the science fiction fantastical version of Pennywise that we have in the books with the with the lights going on right. like I, I feel like if you haven't read the book like you'd be like okay why are there lights in his face I don't understand <laughs> yeah, what's yeah. going on but as I was watching I was like oh that's so awesome I'm so glad yeah. they included that so that final sequence I think really worked well 
I think so too. Um, I was not unhappy with them deciding not to do the spider thing, as you mentioned. Mm -hmm. I feel like there will be a lot of people who will be kind of disgruntled about that. But right. I thought that the what they did end up doing with Pennywise was so interesting and so unexpected yeah. that I was like, this is great. Like, this is just as good. This is like him t just turning a little bit into things mm -hmm. and uh, just nods to like other parts that they didn't really have time to do, like the werewolf and right. Just so many things that if you've read the book, you were just like, yes, yes, yes. You know, like mm -hmm. them just being like, sorry, we couldn't put this in. We're going to do this. You know, like, yeah. just like, I forgive you. Like, <laughs> it's all okay. <laughs> Everything's fine. <laughs> and like the lights thing, like you mentioned, um, and them having little things having to do with the turtle, which is one of the yeah. weirdest parts of the book. Um, <laughs> but just like the part where, um, where Bill's about to go down in the basement and he's holding like the turtle that he built. Oh, that's right. Or yeah. someone built out of Legos. And there's just a bunch of stuff like that, that, um, that made it. So it, it sort of like, you knew that, that their hearts were in the right place with all of it. And that was the main thing that mattered the most. But I do feel like there will be people who will be oh, unhappy yeah. about that because, you know, this has been around will. for a long time. Yeah. There are people who are really, really attached to certain things you know, the spider thing is definitely going to be one of them and the turtle thing. And, um, as far as, I mean, as far as the spoiler stuff goes though, uh, yeah, I, I'm okay with the ending. I hope most people will be okay with it too, because I felt like it got, it got the emotion of it right. And it was still mm -hmm. scary and interesting in its own way. Uh, with them, with like the kids floating in the air, Ugh, like so creepy just cool and weird it didn't yeah. need to be a literal thing with a web you know like it just it could be its own thing mm -hmm. it all worked for me but the bev thing yeah definitely is the thing that made me give this film four stars instead of five you know yeah. like it was that one thing like up until that point i was just like this is great like <laughs> right. i was just <laughs> and it's know, so like, easily fixable it's like yeah. yeah, but it was. I was like, I was Ugh. like, wait a second, what? Like, why? <laughs> like, it was just like, what? It was like a, a, you know, that slap in the face moment where you're just like, Kim, hold on, what? Like, I can't believe that you did that, you know? Right. Because it was yeah. so easily avoidable. So that was the one thing where I was just. I, there was one other thing that I felt like didn't always uh, connect with me, and that was um, the the score for the film, the music was, for the film. It was a little over the top. Yeah, I don't know. How you, <laughs> It's yeah. a little, uh, I, I thought for a few, a few times I thought this is a kind of Spielbergian, you know, like oh, this yeah. is like John Williams, like big cues in, in Star Wars, but Emotion. not quite as good. Yeah, sort it's... of like <laughs> this person wants to do that score, but they're not quite there yet. You right. Know? Yeah. And it was just like, it was like that instead of doing the Williams thing where you feel swelling emotions because the music's so beautiful, instead you're feeling like the music is trying to push you into feeling things, right. yeah. which is not the same. It's, yeah, you know, I, and, then, I, and then and then you feel like that twinge of annoyance where you're like, I'm getting there. Like, do you have to, you right, know, like be yes. pushing so much? Like, so exactly. that was the other thing where I was just like, this is really, I, I'm not really super into this right specific yeah. thing. But yeah. so much of the the production design is so oh. stellar in this. The performances are so great that it's that that thing is negligible to me. Like, I was like, I can just ignore it because yeah. everything else is so good. Yeah. Yeah. The last thing I wanted to talk about is kind of um, how impressed I was with 
with what I was expecting versus what I got. So a lot of times when you watch horror movies and you see the trailers, you're like, oh, I saw the best parts or I know what's coming or it was marketed poorly and this wasn't really what this movie was. And I love that even the scenes you saw in the trailer, whether you're talking about the the opening scene with Georgie or um, mm-hmm. or the scene with the slide projector. You feel like, oh, yeah. I've, you know, you walk in thinking, oh, I know what that scene is. And you do not. You do not know no. what that scene is. Like oh, the, the, the giant Pennywise. Slide oh. Pre- oh, my God. Like, I was just oh, like, it, and you mentioned uh, jump scares earlier. And this movie, yeah. I think it has a fair amount of jump scares, but they're my kind of jump scares. So I get annoyed when I watch a movie and a jump scare yeah. is a cat in a window. Like that pisses me off because you're like, OK, you're just you're just fucking with me now. And that's not cool. But all the jump yeah. scares in this movie, all the loud like musical moments and Pennywise showing up, it's it's a moment that's supposed to be scary. It's something that is, I mean, literally in the case of this story is fear. So you should be jumping at that. And I was totally okay with it, but I was not prepared for Pennywise to show up in that sequence, literally larger than life, like 10, 15 (laughs) feet tall. And I was like, Oh, I was, I was not ready for this. And you know, the, the scene, also the scene in the trailer with uh, ghost Georgie in the basement and Pennywise kind of, you know, coming up out of the water like that. There are so many yeah. general, genuinely terrifying moments in this movie that are probably going to haunt me. So I don't know if I'm like really happy about this movie or really angry, but it is <laughs> done. It is done what it was supposed to do. Yeah. I mean, I definitely also get the feeling it will come up later. <laughs> if that makes any sense mm-hmm. in uh, my nightmares, if yes. I, um, I get it up in the middle of the night to, get a drink of water to go to the bathroom or something. I'm just like, but the long, what if the long woman, like, Ugh. you know, like you're just like, you're like, wait a second where you're just sort of regathering yourself and you're like, it's just a movie. You have Is to, it though? I, I get that feeling, <laughs> you know, like, I'm just like, Oh, it's going to come up later. And I feel like, especially the second time I watch this, uh, I am like, it's going to get fresher, you know, in your mind and you're just going to, all that stuff is sort of going to steer itself onto your brain forever and the thing one of the great things about the film as far as like that feeling of fear and the feeling of dread is they make it clear that if the the kids are alone and not together literally anything can happen at any time because they it's the whole town it's not one particular thing or one particular place the whole friggin' town never safe they're like doesn't matter where you are, like, Pennywise is gonna get ya, you know, like, and they really do a really good job, I feel, with just making you feel like you're not safe, no matter what, no matter where you are, if you're not with all of them, and it's like, you know, Ben's in the library, and, or, you know, I I don't know, Ben's in her bathroom, like, it's, yeah, Eddie, Eddie in, like, the leper, the, oh, man, the leper, who, like, that so Javier Botet is the leper yep. and he was Mama and yep. Mama, which it, yeah, I know you mentioned it earlier, but I have seen mm-hmm. Mama and I did like it a lot. Um, mm-hmm. uh, he's also uh, the the ghosts in Crimson Peak. He yep. has Marfan syndrome, so his limbs are very long and he is terrifying. And there, his makeup is grotesque in this, and yes. it's just oh yeah. I mean, there's it, a lot of things. It all it all works. Uh, I just the best thing I can say about this. The two best things I can say about this are one, they really get what the book was about, and two, I can't wait to see it again. So I can't I, wait. Either. You know. So all right. So the, what uh, what more ahead. can you ask for than that feeling? I that's guess that's it. 
when it comes to film that's the thing exactly all right so everybody go out and see it if you haven't already make it make a lot of money so we definitely will get the second part and it'll get all the funding it needs uh but before you leave sandy maybe one more time tell people how they can contact you on twitter so my twitter is void ember uh it's also my username on letterboxd where i post a lot of my reviews uh, you can also find my reviews sometimes on moviejohn.com. It's J-A-W-N at the end there. All right, so we're going to take a little break. There will be no fangirl fixation this week, but after that break, I will have an announcement about what's coming soon on Fangirl Fixation, so stay tuned for that. Hey, everyone. I'm Jason Michael. And I'm Lee Brady, and we're the Atlantic Screen Connection Podcast. We're a podcast that looks to analyze what makes films great with a warm atmosphere and a good laugh. New releases, retrospectives, and absolute classics all reassessed and reviewed. You can find the Atlantic Screen Connection podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio. And if you're looking for a more direct approach, you can find us on Twitter. Just look for Jason Michael at Atlantic SC and Lee Brady at Big Pick Reviews. Welcome to the Atlantic Screen Connection podcast. Right, so I promised you an announcement about Fangirl Fixation. And don't worry, it's not ending or anything terrible like that. But uh, Britt is really, really busy uh, with her job. She works in a job where during the holidays, she has to work like 10-hour days, six days a week. So I'm not going to ask her to try and fit in a movie when she's really tired. She should be able to watch what she wants and relax. Uh, and I think that's fair. Uh, and I'm really busy, too, because I have now a full-time job, as well as uh, doing two podcasts a week here and a podcast at The Grand Gesture once a week as well. So there's a lot going on. So instead of watching a movie and talking about it, and we may get back to that at some point, maybe when I move back home after the year is over in the summer, next summer. Uh, but what we're going to do from now on, we'll still talk about the new movies coming out next week, but we'll also be doing a short movie news segment. So uh, we'll talk about two or three uh, stories during the week, things that are coming up uh, as far as uh, anything coming up in the movie world. Like we could talk about, you know, casting rumors. We could talk about geek properties that she wants to talk about. We can talk about whatever people are arguing about online, which could be anything. So we're going to try that for a little while and see, uh, how that works. And as always, I would love your feedback on all of these things. So you can find me on Twitter at PC case study and pretty much every other social media platform, or you can email me at popculturecasestudy at gmail.com. So definitely reach out, definitely do that. So next time you hear me, we will be doing an episode on Rosemary's Baby. And the reason we're doing that, there's, there's, there's a lot of talk online. This is one of the things we might have talked about uh, on a movie news segment, if we had had it at that point, that the, tr- the poster for Mother, Darren Aronofsky's new movie that comes out next week, was more than a little reminiscent of the poster for Rosemary's Baby. So there was some hint that there might be uh, a remake in the mix. It doesn't look like that's exactly what's happening, uh, but we decided to do Rosemary's Baby anyway because I want to and I get to because I make my own schedule. Um, so that's what we're doing next week. We're doing Rosemary's Baby as well as Mother, so look forward to that. All right, until then, I will be here diagnosing your favorites and judging you for what you watch. I don't need a big reduction in the price of me. Like the part where they're all sort of in their bathing suits or, you know, they're just on their boxers and she's in like her bra and her underwear and yeah. they're just, she's just sort of laying there 
and they're just sort of staring at her, you know? Like, they're just and that like, was handled wow. so well, because like, it would be so easy for that to be creepy. And them, yeah, and it, it just wasn't. It was them Sweet. just being like, we're, like, young, but, like, we're starting to notice some like, stuff. what <laughs> is <laughs> happening right now? Yeah. And they, but then they, like, all look away, you know? Like, they're just like, oh, okay. uh, <laughs> sorry. Know? And there's yeah, some yeah, great sorry. acting from those boys in that scene. Yeah. Of, like, trying to just, look busy, and it was yeah. just like, oh, it's so good. <laughs> Almost to the point where you're like, there's only some acting going on. Right, yes, yes. The rest of it is just their natural, like, <laughs> coping mechanism of just staring at Sophia Lillis, you know, yep. and just being like, we actually are feeling this way. Right, <laughs> yes. <laughs>